May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. As I prepared for this morning, I went to the scriptures and I copy and pasted the King James Version of Acts chapter 2, specifically that portion which is known as Peter's first sermon. And I discovered that Peter preached, at least in the English translation, only 646 words that morning. Now, the scriptures do say that with, quote, many other words, Peter testified and exhorted the people. So we don't really know how much Peter said, but what is recorded is only about five minutes long. And then if you turn to Acts chapter 3, we discover what is called Peter's second sermon. And therein Peter preaches about 400 words, about three minutes. And what we discover is that in the first sermon, some 3,000 souls are converted. And with the second sermon, we discover that some 5,000 souls are converted. And so what does that tell us? It tells us that the shorter the sermon is, the more souls that will be converted. So today I'm going to preach for two minutes, and we're going to fill the church. (laughs) Of course, we know that not to be the case. Souls aren't converted to Christ because of the length of a sermon, but rather as a result of the content of the message that is proclaimed and the movement of the Holy Spirit in the souls and the hearts of the hearers of that message. And that is what I want us to think about this morning. The message that we proclaim in preparing the way of the Lord. In terms of our season of Advent, We are progressing through a series of preparatory exhortations and concentrations, if you will. On the first Sunday, St. Paul said to be awake, or to awake out of sleep, to be alert, to be ready, and to be waiting. We don't want to lose track of the time. Living as though Christ's coming isn't imminent, and not living in the present with our eternal reality in view. As we prayed in that collect, in the same prayer that we pray every week during Advent, we, that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light, now in the time of this mortal life. On the second Sunday in Advent, last Sunday, we were exhorted as to our spiritual diet, so to speak. We thank God for his revelation in the word of God written, the Holy Scriptures, And we pray that we may read them and mark and learn and inwardly digest them. That through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, we are moved to that of preparing the way of the Lord. In other words, readying the paths for the Lord. And there's a shift between the past two weeks and this week. The past two weeks have been individual preparation. A preparation that occurs in here, within myself, within my own soul. And this week there is a shift from here to there. Our collect says this morning, Grant that the ministers and stewards of thy mysteries may likewise so prepare and make ready thy way by turning the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, 
That at thy second coming to judge the world, we may be found an acceptable people in thy sight. Do you catch the shift from the individual to the collective? And do you catch that shift from the preparation of self to the preparation of others for Christ? And in that shift, do you sense the weighty responsibility that is there to prepare the way of the Lord? What a weighty responsibility. And I'm going to be honest here for a moment. As a pastor, that hit me a little bit hard this week. I mean, we're at that time of year when a lot of the business aspects of the church come up. I mean, they come up all year long, but especially at this time. At the end of the year, we have to worry about our budget for next year. We have to make sure things are set up for next year. I'm already thinking about the annual parish meeting at the end of January. Somebody asked me for the the date of it earlier today. I mean, every church is doing this right now. And of course, mixed in all of this, there are all the ins and the outs of getting ready for the Christmas season and service. People coordinating the decorating. Erica picking up the poinsettias for us. Ellen and Liz going today to get the hospitality refreshments. Harry and I working on the logistics of servers and participants in the service. Donna working on music. Stuff like that. And again, every church is doing this right now. All this is to say is that there is a focus on the functioning of the church. Of directing the smooth operations of things pertaining to the life of the church. And all these things are necessary. In the Old Testament, an entire tribe of Israel was dedicated to this. God commanded that the tribe of Levi were the ones who would take care of everything pertaining to the temple worship. So it's not like we can avoid it or choose not to do it. The church needs people to do things like clean. The church needs people to help participate in the worship. The church needs ushers and musical players and altar guild members and servers and office workers and all of that. And the church needs the faithful giving of members to accomplish all of that. But in the meantime, and this is really where the third Sunday in Advent hits hard in our Advent reflections. In the midst of all that, do we lose focus of God's calling for his church and his people. While necessary, our responsibility is not simply the the smooth operation of the local parish church. Our responsibility is what? To prepare the way of the Lord. That is the responsibility of God's faithful people. To prepare his way. And that's the measurement stick of everything. Am I preparing the way of the Lord? Am I preparing the way of the Lord in my life? Am I preparing the way of the Lord in my family? Am I preparing the way of the Lord in my church? Am I preparing the way of the Lord in the lives of those around me at school or at work? Are we as a church preparing the way of the Lord in each other's lives? Are we as a church preparing the way of the Lord within our community? How would you answer that question? How would we answer that question? Now, I'm sure that the question would come. Well, 
what does preparing the way of the Lord look like? Is it simply what we call a social gospel? Meaning where the only thing that matters are good deeds to help others. And I'd have to say, well, sort of. Is it simply having a parish that is faithful to the doctrines and worship of the ancient and historical church like we are? And I would have to answer, well, sort of. Is it simply having a lot of people who are inviting other people to come to church? And I would have to answer, well, sort of. But I believe thinking like that confounds and and confuses a lot of things. And that it really is so much simpler than all of that. Preparing the way of the Lord all centers around a single message that is proclaimed with every word and with every deed. It is having your word and your life and your works all proclaiming that one single message. So what is that message? And honestly, even though I'm about to tell you, I hope you already know. As I reflected on this, I was brought back to the words of Isaiah, where the words, prepare ye the way of the Lord, are actually found. And let me read for you the beginning words of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 5. And I'm going to read from the the New King James Version here. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear that, and I immediately start singing, especially if you read from the King James Version, the musical piece from Handel's Messiah wherein those words are quoted. I'm not going to sing it for you right now. (laughs) It's interesting that Handel chose these words from Isaiah 40 to not only be the opening selection of his wonderful opus, but to really be the basis for the whole first part of it. And why would Handel choose this? Namely, because the great, or the message proclaimed, is the great opening act of the entire gospel message. Comfort to God's people following judgment. Peace to God's people following their warfare. Forgiveness and pardon to God's people following their iniquity. Return to following their exile. And it all culminates in beholding the glory of the Lord. That's the gospel message in a short form. That's the gospel proclamation. And it sets the stage for everything else that is about to happen. In terms of the way Handel laid it out in his masterpiece, it sets the stage for the incarnation. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And then the Easter sacrifice. Then the resurrection. And finally, the ascension to the throne, the Alleluia Chorus. 
That whole encompassing work of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this very gospel proclamation in Isaiah chapter 40. I mentioned as my introduction Peter's sermon. It was only 600 and something words. But the message was heard loud and clear. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was the message of Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort and peace and forgiveness. A return into God's presence and the glory of God. That message converted 3,000 people that day. And on another day, 5,000 more. That message prepared the way of the Lord. And then we discover Paul. St. Paul. In the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Philippians. And in the book of Colossians. And in the book of Romans. Saying the same thing over and over and over again. Comfort and peace and forgiveness. A return to God's presence and the glory of God. And friends, our heritage in the church has made sure that we don't forget this message. If we engage our hearts in our worship. Our worship literally prepares the way of the Lord within us. Every week, that same story is repeated to us. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about our liturgy. And I'm not sure if we all are aware of that unique and great aspect of our worship. Our liturgy, or the way that we worship, the things that we say, speaks a story to us. And this is why we embrace it so much. Beginning with the the law of God, and hearing his words spoken to us, to confessing our sins and hearing his comforting words and and his forgiveness audibly declared to us, to spiritually lifting up our hearts into heavenly places with all the angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven, to coming forward to the Lord's table itself. We're drawn near and near and near to God. The whole gospel message is put before us. Until finally, at the culmination of it all, we consume his body and his blood in the sacrament. Such that we may dwell in him and he in us as we pray. Complete oneness and unity with our Lord. It tells and proclaims the same story every time we come to it. And it is that story of Paul. And it's that story of Peter's sermon. And it's that gospel message of Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort and peace. Forgiveness. Nearness to God. Beholding his glory. This is what speaks to our hearts. It's this message that prepares the way of the Lord. It's this message which paves that highway for our God. And think of this. If we need this gospel message to be repeated over and over and over again to our hearts and our minds and our souls, and we already love the Lord, and we are already the redeemed, how much more does the world need to hear that message? And this is why we have our Advent call and exhortation today. Both to teach us as individuals, but also as a parish as a whole. Advent says to us, recenter yourselves on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Advent says to us, ensure that what you do is centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Advent says to us, proclaim that gospel message of Jesus Christ in all ways. 
we might ask the question, am I preparing the way of the Lord? Or collectively, are we preparing the way of the Lord? Or what does preparing the way of the Lord look like? And the answer is simple. Are you proclaiming that gospel of Jesus Christ? Comfort, peace, forgiveness, nearness to God, God's glory. Beloved, nothing less and nothing more will prepare the way of the Lord than that. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.